Hey, thanks for watching live. Thank you for watching On Demand. And of course, thank you for listening to our podcast. As we look at the metrics each week, we have more and more people watching or listening on demand. So that's really neat. So in case you didn't know this, if you're really busy, or maybe you're out of town on Sunday uh, during the live stream, one thing we are encouraging you, uh, watch. And we have the message up and ready Sunday by 7 a.m. So you guys are more than welcome to, to take a hold of that. You just miss out on the actual full service. But other than that, Thank you for listening. Thank you for actually doing the study. I know some of you guys are in groups. I think it's so cool. The questions we, uh, the Jenny, um, she mentioned a few questions that were brought up in her group last night. So I, th- I thought it was really cool um, to, to hear some of the things that, that y'all have been talking about. So guys, thank you. Keep the conversation going. It's really, really inspiring. So we have a lot going on since March. Things are still going to be changing. But here's something that doesn't change, and it's our relationships. And I know I've said it last couple of weeks, but listen, <laughs> if you're married, you're probably still married, uh, at least those that I know of. You're still a parent. You're still a teacher. You're still a boss, or you're still an employee. You're still a volunteer at church. Those relationships don't change. They they stay. They stick. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure we end 2020 well, and we start 2021 great. And we believe that looking at Peter's first letter is really going to help us because he wrote this letter to encourage followers of Jesus that hope in our true home empowers us to live Jesus-centered lives in our temporary home. And this idea we're going to see each week. So again, like I asked last couple of weeks, I have two invitations for you. One, man, stick with us for Beyond the Message, which is about 10 minutes where we dive a little deeper into the message Uh, on the live chat. So please stick around for that. And the second thing is we would love for you to be part of a group. Please consider doing that. Have you ever prepared for a trip? Yeah, I mean, have you ever prepared for a trip? You sort of get everything ready. You get everything packed up. You sort of know what you're going to be doing when you get to wherever you're going. And so you begin packing for those things. I know for us, we bring the golf clubs. We bring the fishing poles. We, we bring the swimsuits. We, we bring things we know that we're going to use. Uh, maybe for you, you have some, you're planning to have some self-control, right? That you're going to go out to eat an X amount of times. You're going to eat in an X amount of times. You're going to go shopping an X amount of times or spend this much money or maybe golf just a few times. We go into it knowing that we're only going to spend X amount of dollars. And what we're doing as we're packing, as we're planning, we are living in future tense. And what I mean by that is that our present actions, our present decisions are inspired by our future trip. So, If you're a follower of Jesus, we live in future tense. Everything we do now in this starter home is inspired by our forever home. I want you to miss that. We live in future tense as we are preparing for our future home. And this is where we're going to pick up this morning. And here's the question I want all of us to ask ourselves How am I preparing? How am I preparing? Some of us, we haven't really paid too much attention about our forever home. For some of us, we really are focused on making this life, this this starter home, this temporary home, heaven. 
and not trying to sound crude or anything, but for some of us, we have worked so hard to make this heaven that it's been hell. It's been hell on our marriage, on our parent, uh, being a parent, being a, uh, working so hard to make that we get this, this, and this, because we believe that if we get a bigger home, if we get another car, if we get a pull or get whatever, that life's going to be better. It's going to satisfy us. Others of us, on the other hand, we, we're getting prepared. We're doing everything we can to invest in the local church. We are sharing what Jesus has done in our lives to people we work with or people in our neighborhood or people we see at school. It's really neat. We're preparing. Others of us, we're ready. We're tired. Our body's broken. We are ready. We are ready, as Paul would say, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. I think we're all in different places. And that's good that we're all in different places. But I want you to ask yourself. And ask yourself honestly. Am I preparing? How am I preparing? We need to prepare ourselves to make the most of this home. While we wait, we need to make the most of this home. And Peter will help us see that we need to prepare in four ways. The first is this, as we make the most of this home, we need to think clearly and that will lead us to act differently and then that will lead us to see ourselves appropriately and then finally that we love our church deeply. So let's jump in. Let's think clearly. When we make make the most of this life, one of the things we do is we think clearly. So Peter writes this, he says, so prepare your minds for action. It's an interesting phrase. The actual, literally, the word in, in the Greek, in the original language, literally means, he's like, hey, tighten up those Middle, Middle Eastern robes. Uh, they would be flowing, and they'd get in the way as they would try to do things. So what he's saying is, gird them up, tighten them up. And he's alluding to the fact that we need to tighten up our minds. We need to gird up our minds. And then he says, exercise self-control. We'd all admit that, When we get emotional, we usually make bad decisions. We make mistakes. When we get all emotional, we get all hyped up. And what he's helping us understand is, hey, once you sort of clear up your mind, you're able to have self-control. You're able to be calm. You're able to be steady. You're able to weigh matters well. It's important that we have a disciplined mind because as we do, we put all our hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. He's helping us understand is, look, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to make all things new. And so in the meantime, we want to make the most out of this world that we know is not going to last forever. The house that you and I live in is not going to last forever. The, the vehicles will end up in a junkyard one day. Most of the stuff that we have, if we don't do a living will well or we don't do a, well or a will right, most likely people are going to fight over those things. The stuff that we have isn't going to last. And he's helping us understand, hey, Jesus is coming back. He's going to make all things new. And in so doing, be prepared for that. Be prepared for our future home. So there's two things. One, your outlook determines your outcome. Your outlook determines your outcome. And the second thing, your attitude determines action. 
Your attitude determines action. So when we coach our student athletes, and as we're coaching football, one of the things that we are helping our student athletes understand is that the game is four quarters and potentially an overtime. So when we practice, we are practicing in the future tense. We are pushing our kids little by little, little by little, push a little bit more. And what we're doing, we're conditioning them in that practice to go four quarters in an overtime. It'd be, it'd be pointless for us to condition our kids to only play a half or only play three quarters. We want our kids to be conditioned so we practice in the future tense. We want them to be able to handle. We want them to be able to handle four quarters and an overtime. Do the kids like it? No, they, they don't like it. But man, it's, and don't miss this, the reward is when you win. Ah, it was worth it. Man, coach, it was worth it. It was worth practicing four quarters and an overtime. Because we think clearly, we'll act differently. Peter continues, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Did you know that your kids, they inherit your nature? Whether it's learned or whether it's natural, they inherit your behaviors, your attitudes. (laughs) They do. So I think for some of us, when we get frustrated with our kids, you probably need to look in the mirror and you're probably not going to like what you see because our kids are a reflection of us. They are the best and they are the worst of you. And more is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. And we see this in Brooke, the the way that she sets things, the way that she is a night owl. She gets that from her mama. She's competitive. She gets that from me. Uh, How she deals with not getting her way is a reflection of both her mama and I. See, see, when you become a follower of Jesus, you're adopted into God's family, which means that you are now given a new nature. Don't miss that. When you and I are adopted into God's family, you are given a new nature. And Peter wrote this in his second letter. He he writes it as a, uh, we share in his divine nature. The fact is, God has provided us his spirit. His spirit lives in you. His spirit lives in me. And we have that new nature. And that Holy Spirit helps us to live holy lives. The word holy sounds old-fashioned. It sounds archaic. But it's actually a really powerful word that means different. You and I, we are to be different. We are. We are to be different. See, when Brooke does something wrong for the first time, we call her out on it. We let her know that it's wrong. We don't want her thinking that it's okay. We don't want it to become in a pattern that's going to be very hard to break. Like we as her parents, we let her know, we sort of set the mark of what is right and what is wrong. As her parents, we've had a talk with her about why some of the things that her friends do, maybe at school, are wrong. We don't talk that way, baby. We don't watch that, that, that show. We just don't. And here's why. 
Remember, I think as parents, as coaches, as teachers, this is not about doing something for our kids. This is about doing something in our kids. See, God does the same for you and I as his kids, as what is right and what is wrong. He determines what is right and he determines what is wrong. The tension comes when we allow other people or outside influences to inform us what is right and what is wrong. Like when it comes to maybe some of the boundaries that God set up, we're just not content. For some of us, we struggle with the fact that uh, giving to the local church, but yet that's a boundary God's put in place. Sex outside of marriage is outside of, is out, is out of bounds. And for some of us, we struggle with that. Drinking in moderation is something that some of us, we think, is a struggle. And, and quite honestly, he sets those up so that we live those different lives that he has called us to do. It happens when we're envious that someone else gets to do something that we can't or we don't. It happens when we spend less and less time knowing the, the God of the Bible. It, when we don't spend time with God, we really don't get to know who he is and why he has set up these boundaries of what is right and what is wrong. The Bible reveals God's mind, his heart, and his will. And as we take that in, hopefully that changes our our heart, our mind, and our will. See, our faith is fixed because God is fixed. He's constant. He's not evolving. He's not changing like culture is. I believe that Christianity should look a lot different than our culture as culture loses its true north. Look, if you're a follower of Jesus and you feel like you're losing when it comes to culture, you're probably winning when it comes to God. Like, let me give you a couple of examples how, how culture is shifting, how culture is, quote-unquote, evolving or changing. Like, you have some lawmakers that think rioting and looting is okay. If people don't have the resources or they have the means, they can steal something that doesn't belong to them because they don't have the means to do it. That, that's crazy talk. That's crazy town. I mean, that's outside of, that's outside of what Jesus taught. And then you have... It's okay to cancel people who don't agree with you, who have a different perspective or opinion of you. Jesus never canceled any money. Jesus wasn't looking at doing that. As followers of Jesus, we have to follow his lead. We have to know what's right and what's wrong. I love what Warren Wiersbe says. He writes this, If something can't be done for the glory of God or the fame of God, then we can be sure that it's out of the will of God. It's important, not only that we think clearly, that we act differently, but that we see ourselves appropriately. Our identity is powerful. And how we think and how we act plays into our identity. Our identity is powerful. Peter continues, he says, And remember that, your hev- that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So, You must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as quote-unquote temporary residents. So whether it's our staff, it's our student, my student athletes, campers, or even my own daughter, I don't have favorites. 
I mean, people who know me know that I don't have favorites, but I don't treat people the same. I will treat people differently. But that also doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, I'm willing to overlook a wrong because they have a nice smile or because they've done something for me in the past or in my daughter's case, she bats her eyes at me. At home, Brooke knows what will happen to her when I start counting. She knows. She knows it's not going to be good for her. She knows it and she usually changes her behavior. Brooke has a fear of me when she does something wrong. But I don't want you to miss this, this next part. She still approaches me about everything. She approaches me and she knows that she can approach me because she knows that I love her. She knows that I'm willing to do things for her. She knows that I will be here for her. She'll tell you that she can come to me about anything because I love her, but yet she still is, at times, she has fear of me when she does something wrong. No doubt. I mean, she'll even tell her friends, Daddy is king, Mama is queen, and I'm a princess. Quite frankly, Mom and I, we're in charge. And there's no question in Brooke's mind that we're in charge. We run our home. We do. And I don't want, when it comes to the spiritual sense, I don't want you to miss this. Angels don't run heaven. People don't run heaven. God does. For some reason, there's no fear of God or consequences of our actions because we don't see ourselves appropriately. Like we should see ourselves as God's adopted son or daughter, which means we should share in his nature. That means we do share in his nature. We are loved and we are forgiven. And we ought to see ourselves not only as loved and forgiven, but as temporary residents. It means that our culture, this world, is not the end-all, be-all. I mean, it's short-sighted, and, and this is probably going to offend you. I don't mean to be offensive, but if all your hope is in the next president of the United States, man, we are so short-sighted. Look, did you know that as, as I've read Revelation, as I've read predictions and prophecies, America is not in Revelation. And there's probably a reason for that. So if we're putting all our hope in the next president, or we're putting our all our hope in a political party, man, we have greatly mistaken because listen jesus is our hope it's short-sighted to have our hope in i mean if i just buy a bigger house if i just buy this if i just get that if we just had what everyone else has we'd be happy we'd be satisfied and y'all it doesn't work like that our hope cannot be in our starter home it cannot be in this temporary home it needs to be in our forever home as temporary residents we need to be begin preparing to move into our forever home it means we are living we're doing the, the the best we can to make the most out of this home for our future home and y'all let me hopefully this is helpful but there's going to be a judgment jesus is going to judge us and i know that's something we don't talk a lot about But there is going to be a judgment. I think for some of us, we're not aware of that. Or if we are aware of that, we've just sort of forgotten about it. It's not that we get in or not based on this judgment. It's the fact that we'll get rewarded on what we've done for him 
in this starter home, in this temporary home. I think for some of us, the word judgment is scary, but it's actually a really positive word. It literally means to find something good. And Jesus is going to try to find something good out of, what, out of how you lived in this temporary life. Each of us is going to have to answer, and we're going to receive an appropriate reward based on what we've done and how we answer. Peter continues, he says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. And now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. What Peter's doing is he's inspiring his readers to live differently because of what it cost God to restore our relationship with him. As we read from the start of the Old Testament, which Peter would have known, I don't want you to miss this, please lean in. It didn't cost God anything to create you, but it cost God everything to save you. It didn't cost God anything to create you, but it cost God everything to save you. We're his kids who have hope because of Jesus' death and resurrection. That's it. And that should be enough motivation to live for him in his temporary home. Finally, we are called to love our church deeply. Peter continues, Through Christ you have come to, you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins because when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Before we pick it up here next week, Peter shows us that we love God by loving his kids. Who are his kids? Our spiritual brothers and sisters. Jesus, who is not only our Savior, he is our perfect brother. He loved us deeply as God the Father loves us deeply. So, as we circle back to that opening question of how am I preparing, let's recap the four ways that you and I, we need to prepare according to Peter. First, think clearly. Think clearly. Who or what is keeping you from thinking clearly? Two, act differently. What does God want to do in you that you are resisting? What does God want to do in you that you're resisting? So think clearly, act differently. Then three, see ourselves appropriately. Who has defined who you are? Who have you allowed to define you? And then finally, love our church deeply. How have you been wounded that has kept you guarded from opening up? What has wounded you that has kept you guarded from opening up. So think clearly, act differently, see ourselves appropriately, and then love our church deeply. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this letter from Peter. It is encouraging and it is really relatable. 
And so, Father, I'm asking that whoever is listening, whoever is watching, Father, we would ask ourselves that question honestly. How am I preparing? How am I thinking clearly? How am I acting differently? How am I seeing myself appropriately? And how am I loving the church deeply? Help us answer those questions. In Jesus' name, amen.